Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you and you too. Todd, we have been watching so much television, so many movies. We're we're <laughs> almost through. It's uh, we're we've almost finished episode the final episode of uh, West Wing, which is seven seasons of twenty two episodes per season at an wow. hour hour each. It's back in the day when they had real seasons <laughs> and uh, movies. WandaVision, the whole thing. Have you seen that movie about constipation? I have not. Uh, well, it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> I'm t- I, I was attempting to use the cool bird whistle that Brian got me, but it requires water inside, oh. and that water has long since evaporated, so it's now a tiny train whistle. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, that is like an old classic joke that you repackaged and buffed up and shined up and set on the curb like it was new. That was great. I did see a little TikTok video of there's a candy store called Uranus. <laughs> and and they are uh, uh, packaging fudge, <laughs> and so they're like, "Yes, we're here packing fudge in Uranus." <laughs> like you guys are awesome. Uh, so oh my just, gosh, just silly. A um, <clears throat> couple things before we get going. So the, uh, there's this this QR code puzzle, the the uh, hundred thousand dollar puzzle. Have you seen anything about this? So no. um, a QR code, as you know, is uh, uh, dots and uh, dots in a little grid that have information. A packaging well, designer's <clears throat> worst nightmare. Yes. And so they've made this this producer has created a puzzle that all of the pieces are interchangeable and you create a QR code out of the pieces. So so when the finished picture is of a big QR code and if you scan it with your phone, there's a chance if you have all the dots in the correct order that you can win a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I see. I see. I see. And so you buy buy the puzzle for 20 bucks and you have a chance to win a hundred thousand if you happen to randomly place. So I haven't done the math on it, but I guarantee it's one in a gajillion trillion g- <laughs> gazillion. Like, what a genius <laughs> idea, though. That and the million dollar web page back in the day. I I think that we might have talked about. There was a guy. It was just. It was like right a college student in the late nineties. And he created a web page that uh, is called the Million Dollar Web Page. You could buy a single pixel of that web page for a dollar. And so if you wanted a 10 by 10 square of an advertising space, 
you spent a hundred dollars and now you had a 10 by 10 grid that you could create a little ad in 10 by 10 pixels or 10 by 100 or whatever you wanted to do you would spend more money and so he had a thousand by a thousand uh, pixels so a million total pixels and he sold out <laughs> in like a week and a half and bought a house and he was like, that I do remember now that you described that. I, yeah. I remember that. And, and so we need to come up with one of these kind of things where you're <sighs> so my <clears throat> the one that I came up with was the um the uh ten dollar Super Bowl ad. So we buy thirty seconds of a Super Bowl ad space and each frame gets split into 16 parts or whatever four by four and each frame you can put your ad in that frame for 10 bucks right <laughs> and so 160 dollars a frame times 30 frames a second times 30 seconds was whatever i, I did the math once and, and put it all down and, and we could we could create a buzz around a super bowl ad that looks like noise for 30 <laughs> seconds but everybody would record it and look through it frame by frame and you know my mom's picture with you know, of me when i was a kid or whatever was uh 10 bucks is on the super bowl and so <laughs> she can lay the claim to fame of like my son put me in a super bowl ad you know and that's that's not a bad idea right <laughs> Now we just you need to come up with the first. five million dollars up front. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think I think we could we could find an investor to do that. Um. <laughs> you work on that. I'll wait for the money to start rolling in on my end. <laughs> All right. Those are those are my uh, uh, entrepreneurial visions for the day. That is amazing. Well, I had a couple uh, random things that I'd noted on my phone. And the first being, so we are entering a new year and a new um, presidential administration. And there's the changes really? taking place. Do you know what's that? Really? Oh, yeah. Yes. Maybe I, you haven't heard. I, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but there's been a presidential election. <laughs> haven't really been watching the TV. So we've been watching West Wing. So yeah, we're get there's lots of story. Yeah, really. Jed Bartlett is <laughs> being inaugurated. Uh, but yeah, we've heard a lot, you know, of, and we hear it every every presidential change, you know, that this this incoming thing either gets a change of decoration or there's a new carpet or there they change this or that and and just I I wanted to go off I I wanted to leave the Trump era on a positive in my head. And there was all this kerfuffle this last week. And people acting like it was, like, stupid and like, oh, my gosh, can you believe how ridiculous, uh, like, the typical thing you hear with every Trump story. And I'm like, oh, well, what's going on now? Well, it turns out that in the Oval Office that uh, the desk, you know, that you always see the president sitting at and had a mysterious button on it. And nobody could quite figure out what it was until somebody saw him press it, which was immediately followed by a person a, a butler with a silver tray and the silver tray having a diet coke on top of it and so the button was simply a press button for diet coke to be delivered and i'm like that is the best thing i have ever heard absolutely like are you kidding like what 
a perfect use of that kind of extraordinary power, but to do something that's just like, well, who wouldn't want a button to deliver their favorite food or drink? Like, totally. how many people would have a Keurig in the Oval Office? I wanna, like, I all of the coffee people. I want to stay focused. I don't want to get up. I don't need to ask somebody. I Like, we're in the middle of a conversation. I press the button. It shows up. Totally. I love it. I mean, I personally would have had a fountain, <laughs> a fountain machine installed, but, but you know, what I do, you know, those are my personal politics. So. <laughs> Let me take but, away this bust of Martin Luther King and replace <laughs> it with a simplex six spout. Uh, <laughs> oh, I would be Cornelius all the way. Right. What are oh, you even talking about? <laughs> so, yes, uh, I, I I thought that was just such an amazing and, and wonderful little detail uh, from what I am considering now a genius and a visionary. So perhaps I've been wrong this whole time. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I I figured there's another thing I figured out that um, kind of, I noticed my whole life, but I didn't know what was happening to further do further observations for it. And have you ever had it where every once in a while you go, uh, depending on the makeup of your refrigerator uh, slash freezer, whether the freezer's on top or bottom, you go to open one of the doors and it's like astonishingly difficult. Yes. And you're like, well, what in the world is like, did I suddenly like, am I aging that fat? Like I can't open this fridge. Like that's ridiculous. And I forget that where I saw it, but um, I found a little thing about why that happens. And I mean, it makes sense when you say it out loud, but like for, for instance, right now I have a fridge that has the freezer on the bottom and I was looking for ice cream or waffles or whatever I was doing. And so I had that open and then I shut that and then I went to open the fridge and couldn't open the fridge. And so it's whenever I think you have the little, the bottom, whatever open, that yeah it changes that air pressure and makes a tiny like momentary vacuum if you try to open the other one too quickly and i was like oh that's it that's so weird so uh, i'll throw a little wrench in there we have a um side by side chest freezer that's just a freezer in the garage oh okay and uh it does the same thing if I open it, it's everything's normal. If I close it, it then is hermetically sealed with the strongest power of Atlas behind it. And I, I'm like, I can't muster the strength. And then, you know, it, and it releases uh, eventually. But but I, I wonder if. Um, a, a sudden introduction of warm air in there that then once you close the lid is cooled and contracts and draws a bit of, of a vacuum in there. And the fact that the uh, the freezer has a large lid and so it's got more PSI, you know, pounds per square inch, it's got more square inches there. And so the pounds are staggering at that level <laughs> because it like one one tenth of a pound of, of difference in pressure 
distributed across a thousand square inches <laughs> is is a hundred pounds that that's distributing to your arm like and so that that makes so something like that maybe I don't know. Yeah, I and that totally makes sense, but it's it's something that every once in a while will happen. I'm like, what is what is happening? Every morning in in our garage, when I go to get the pugs nuggets, uh, the the frozen food that we feed her. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, the other the other thing that I'd written down is that so we are now uh, we are now a year, uh, almost exactly a year of uh introducing the coronavirus to the mark and todd cast like it was almost exactly a year that we had our friend steve which i believe we had him in in studio oh absolutely to, to talk about coronavirus yep, but I'm um recording. oh is he taking orders he, no he was naked oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad there's that oh, no you froze op- there you go Omnidirectional. Yeah, that was me running away. That wasn't my computer freezing. It was me running away so fast. I was just leaving a blur. No, so yeah, uh, we uh, had had our friend Steve in studio to talk about the highly contagious coronavirus that everybody was getting um, before it was named COVID-19, oddly enough. But so yeah, it's been about a year since uh, since that's all happened. And, and clearly... Uh, things have been very different in this last year. And I thought, what? how weird that a year ago, because I was able to get my first dose of the vaccine this past week, which itself was an interesting experience to go up to the convention center and go through an airport security-like thing with a thing and then go to a desk and like all these people are getting injections and then sitting out. So that was all super interesting, but super fast. And like the whole the whole thing took 20 minutes and 15 of that was in the holding area afterwards to make sure that like no one dies of anaphylactic shock or something like that. But I realized like I have been lucky enough so far to not have gotten COVID or to think I have, or to get tested or any of that. So I've been very, very lucky. And it's funny how when I'm looking back, I attribute all of these things that probably have no, no bearing and make no difference that I you start to be like, oh, maybe that's the thing that has prevented me from getting like all this specious reasoning of like, well, I did put a rock in front of my door when this started and I haven't gotten it. So that <laughs> must that rock must me, you know, and I realized that one thing I do um, because for the most part, I'm, I'm isolated to my house and the house that I work at, but I still go grocery shopping and stuff like that so I am around some people and I realized what I do is that when I pass by people I hold my breath yep so that I'm not I, inhaling or exhaling I do the same oh good that's oh, I'm so glad to know that and then that started making me feel like a crazy paranoid person but I'm like it makes sense because nothing comes in or out and I'm not like I, I do the exact same and I hesitate when I look down a path in a <laughs> store and, and like, no, there's two people in that. There's no way I'd make it through <laughs> two people. I'm I'm going to go three rows down to the one that has nobody in it that's just knitting needle, needles and, and notions. That, no, yeah, no, <laughs> notions, things I will never use. Uh, and uh, and then swerve around to get to the other side. Yeah, and uh, on the sidewalk as well. Uh, you know, we I 
feel like the stories uh, that people tell of like, well, they saw me coming and they crossed the road. And like, yeah, that's that's what yeah. we do now. And that's normal. <laughs> that is just a part of our survival. Well, and at some point, I never did look into this, but at some point over last year, it was like, one of those headlines like mouthwash to kill COVID or whatever. And I was like, well, my Listerine strips. And so like now every time I'm in public, I'm like just force feeding myself Listerine strips to like agent orange, all of the germs out of my face and nasal cavities. But you don't really know the mechanism. And so you just like lick them and put them on your forehead and over your nose. (laughs) I, I think they do something good. <laughs> so <not. It's> so... <laughs> uh, well, I feel less alone than that. I'm not the only breath holder. And maybe that's been a secret all along. A hundred years from now, that'll be masks, social distancing, and holding your breath will be. Uh... All right. Well, any any other last things before a couple nope. of news stories here? All right. Well, there has been an earthquake swarm on Mount Hood. So a swarm of more than 100 small earthquakes shook the south side of Mount Hood uh, this past Saturday afternoon. The strongest was a magnitude 2.7. Swarms of those earthquakes are not uncommon among the Cascade Volcano Peaks. The activities can last hours, sometimes days. A um, statement from the Geological Service said the earthquakes are associated with regional faulting and are not a sign of changes in volcanic activity. So also there are three new monitoring stations on Mount Hood. Uh, Those three stations improved a a seismic GPS and volcanic gas monitoring network, uh, which was already on the mountain. So there are no imminent threats from the most recent swarms. Um, quote, this is Mount Hood's personality, so to speak. So in a normal week, Mount Hood might have one earthquake or it might have one every other week, they said. So Hmm. it's shaking and rumbling, but that shouldn't be causing any problems. So hopefully that holds. Could you imagine if Mount Hood went off like like uh, Helen's did? (laughs) What the what the impact uh, to the area would be and. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, we are we're not living in the safest place, but it's ho- hopefully that's going to be safe for a little bit. Well, I pulled this next story thinking like, wow, what an incredible uplifting story because the headline says a Down syndrome scientist is first in his step to sainthood. And then the first sentence, a little more disappointing, the French scientist who discovered the cause of Down syndrome has taken this first step to sainthood. So Pope Francis had recognized the, quote, heroic virtues of Professor Jerome Lejeune, who died in 1994 at the age of 67. (laughs) So you thought it was a scientist with Down syndrome. The headline again, Down syndrome scientist in first step to sainthood. (laughs) <laughs> I cannot Can I say be anything for <laughs> yes. <laughs> I cannot say anything without being a terrible human. <laughs> so I don't. I I don't know a a whole lot about the process of sainthood, but uh, beautification. Uh, is one step removed from sainthood, which normally comes after the attribution of a second miracle. Beatification. So, oh, beatification. Oh, like the yeah. beatitudes. Beati- yes. Not beautification. 
<laughs> beautification is the process oh, I go through. Beautiful, right. Pre-show. <laughs> Turning myself into a beautiful drag queen. <laughs> beautification. Beatification. Beatification. Okay, so beatification is one step removed from sainthood. So in 1958, Lejeune and two other researchers discovered that Down syndrome sufferers are born with an extra chromosome. So it's a genetic uh, disorder associated with mental and physical disabilities recorded in 23 out of every 10,000 births uh, in the European Union. So his research helped the prenatal detection of the disorder, sometimes leading to abortions, something he strongly objected to. A foundation in his name now supports research and treatment for genetic intelligence disorders and engaged in anti-abortion advocacy. So Down syndrome scientist in first step to, to say Yeah, for, for a moment, I think maybe I'll do a little impersonation here and then i go no 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 (laughs) stop thinking that and so i won't well we'll do it like this we'll leave five seconds here for everyone to put their their own joke into into their heads keep it in their head give themselves a little giggle so down syndrome scientist in first step to sainthood okay so (laughs) Good one. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. A record-breaking laser link could provide a pr- c- uh, a record-breaking laser scientist. link could provide test of Einstein's theory. There we go. So scientists from the International Centra, C E N T R E, for radio astronomy and research, or the ICRAR, and the University of Western Australia had set a world record for the most stable transmission of a laser signal through the atmosphere. So lead author Benjamin Dix Matthews, a PhD, said, quote, we can correct for atmospheric turbulence in 3D that is left, right, up, down, and critically along the line of the flight, he said. It's as if the moving atmosphere has been removed and doesn't exist. It allows us to send highly stable laser signals through the atmosphere while retaining the quality of the original signal. So the result is the world's most precise method of comparing the flow of time between two separate locations using a laser system transmitted through the atmosphere. Ooh, that's interesting. So they're measuring the flow of time between, because like as as the Mark and Toddcast has famously said before, that time is different both on the surface of the uh, Earth and the further you go out. So somehow they are comparing the flow of time between two separate locations so quote if you have one of these optical terminals on the ground and another on a satellite in space then you can you can start to explore fundamental physics he says everything from testing einstein's theory of general relativity more precisely than ever to discovering if the fundamental physical constraints change over time so uh Blah, 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 blah. The multi-billion dollar telescope is to be built in Western Australia and South Africa in 2001 or 21. So interesting. That That is fascinating. Um, the this this isn't directly related, but um, radio telescopes always freak me out because you don't it, the what does that mean you know like you're you're measuring radio frequencies and what does that look like and how can you well the sensitivity of radio telescopes on earth if you took your cell phone 
and put it on the surface of Mars, it would be the brightest object for radio telescopes to look you know to it would be a very bright light if okay. you will in radio telescopicry uh <laughs> which i'm pretty sure is how you say it uh <clears throat> um but you know testing of einstein's theories and uh we have so little information around space and how everything works and we're just i i feel like we're on the precipice of uh, of a ne next level of discovery and uh when we are combining the fundamentals of relativity with the new technologies of access into um uh, information coming out of the cosmos it's uh, yeah, we've got a lot. lot One of the only to. times I'll, I unironically say, "What a time to be alive!" It really is. So, out of Washington State, recompose, recompose, recompose. The first human composting funeral home in the U.S. is now open for business. So, after a decade of planning, recompose costs uh, fifty-five hundred dollars, five thousand five hundred dollars for everything: the body pickup, the paperwork, the process itself, and an optional service. Uh, and then, let's see, body transport from further away can be arranged for an extra fee, blah, blah, blah. They're already So this is in Washington state. So according to a 2020 price survey by local nonprofit, the People's Memorial Association, cremation prices in Washington state vary by 745%. So like in King County, which is where Seattle is, the range is $525 to uh, just over $4,000. And barrel prices vary more than 400%. So in King County, it's about $1,400 for the most frugal burial, uh, up to $11,000 for a high-end funeral. So the recomposed process takes 30 days in a vessel full of wood chips and straw, then another few weeks in, in quote, curing bins, which are large boxes, one, one per person, folks. <laughs> where soil is allowed to rest and continue exhaling carbon dioxide. Oh, that's creepy to think about your dirt exhaling. Yeah. Uh, once that process is complete, friends and chosen family can either retrieve the soil themselves or donate to an ecological restoration project. So, hmm. so far, most of those people have donated to that project. But yeah, it's, that's pretty wild how those cremation prices, I mean, 745% is the range yeah. of prices just in uh. one county. That's that's wild. So uh, you saw that <laughs> Los Angeles County has had to relax EPA restrictions on cremation services because there's too many bodies being cremated. Oh, and my gosh. So they've had to loosen the restrictions so that they can cremate more bodies because so many people are dying of uh, coronavirus. Jeez Louise, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, well, I had one other story pulled, but it was one of those like wanky wired stories where it was like 900 pages long and like told the story. But the headline that had caught my, 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 uh, <laughs> caught my, caught my what? Uh-oh. Caught your caught eye. Caught my attention. Caught my eye. Caught Thank you. you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Was something about cocaine you, hippos. Me already? <laughs> <laughs> was something about <clears throat> cocaine hippos. 
And um, I actually ended up hearing a story about this on Fun Employment Radio unrelated to this. Um, but it's basically Pablo Escobar, who was the like cocaine king of wherever, had imported a bunch of hippos uh, to Central uh, Central America who are now just ravaging the countryside because like nothing can kill them. Uh, so if I believe they're, they may be opening hunting license to hunt cocaine hippos owned by <laughs> Pablo Escobar. So if you are interested in, in something like that, sign up today. That's amazing. Ah, that's all the news I had. I, I didn't have any to add other than what we talked about up front. Cool. Uh, well, what I want to talk about today is something that came up, and I forget the name of the book that you let me borrow that was about, um, like, when we did our show about concrete and, like, all mm. of the – I forget what that book was called. Do you remember? Uh, I will look it up. I It was it had to do with made making something. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. Anyway, I'll but the book it. was basically yep. about, like, kind of how a lot of the fundamentals of our – societies such as concrete about how you know the backstory of those things that we don't give a lot of thought to and one of the sections in that book was about this magic metal that would not oxidize it would not rust it would not degrade it would not stain with acids and that is something that a, a lot like concrete has kind of built a huge portion of our lives that we hardly ever think about and that is stainless steel and when you think of stainless steel, I mean, everything from, of course, like our silverware and stuff, but to the St. Louis Arch, to the big, um, that big globe in New York City that, that you see in Men in Black. I don't know what that's called. Or like the bean in Chicago. Right. And our cooking utensils and our scientific equipment and our medical equipment, all of this stuff is made out of stainless steel. So I was like, I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit uh, where this magical thing came from and how it came about so iron of course has been around for thousands of years but stainless steel is relatively new and in fact we're just sort of celebrating 100 years of stainless steel so from healthcare to catering the automotive and construction industries um, um, and it has outperformed traditional competing materials such as copper aluminum and carbon steel so uh, just a couple basics about stainless steel. The reason it's so amazing is that it has a high corrosion resistance. Like I said, it doesn't oxidize or rust or, um, or you can like even with the St. Louis Arch, it's 50 years later and there's it's still stainless. And like it, the <laughs> integrity of the building has not changed and all of that. Um, so it's uh, heat resistant up to t uh, 2192 Fahrenheit. Uh, it's for formability and weldability is durability and it doesn't rust. The metal does not readily react to many substances and it's inexpensive compared to specialist non-corrosive alloys. So, and I believe um, I'll have to ask her, my, my mom and dad are coming tomorrow to drop up, drop off some more wood, which is good because it looks like I will be running out tonight. Um, but my mom just got a uh, total knee replacement. And so I'm fairly oh, wow. certain that, um, part of what is in here now is most likely made out of stainless steel. So where did this come from? In 1913, Harry Brearley of Sheffield, uh, United Kingdom, was trying to solve the problem of erosion. So this is the uh, onset of the First World War, and gun manufacturer uh, Harry Brearley worked for a uh, 
an, uh, a metallic company. He worked for a company that made steel and all stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the army was coming to them and talking about the erosion of the inside of their rifles, you know, from scoring and from heat and all that, which of course then leads to bad aim and um, all of that. So they came to him with, with that problem. And so he was looking to, to figure out how to make a steel that had a better resistance to erosion, not necessarily corrosion. So um, along this point, too, there's uh, some more important developments in metallurgy itself, uh, including better crucibles, which is where you melt your metals and stuff like that. Heat resistant crucibles and electric furnaces where they're starting to send currents and stuff around things to heat things up way hotter than you can just by fire or just by some of the more traditional things. Um, so using that first crucible process and the electric furnace, a number of different melts of six to 15% of chromium with varying carbon contents were made and mixed into the steel. So the first stainless steel was melted on the 13th of August, 1913, and it contained 0.24% uh, carbon and 12.8 chromium. So adding this chromium was the huge uh, revealing factor. So while he was still trying to figure out a more wear-resistant steel, um, he did it through this process, added the chromium, and in order to study it, he tried to make etchings you know, in the pieces to keep track of them and stuff and noticed that um, the structure of the steel was not forming the oxidization and not and uh, resisted chemical, any sort of chemical attack was because he then started to pour like vinegar and other food acids like lemon juice and nothing would happen. And so what makes this so, what makes stainless steel so, so magical in, in lack of a better word is the presence of that chrome or chromium. And every time that chromium reacts with oxygen in the outside air, it creates an invisible form uh, of film, excuse me, of chrome oxide, which wraps the steel, making it resistant to oxygen and other chemical agents. So basically every time you damage, for lack of a better word, that stainless steel, it's like a self-healing cutting mat. It is it reacts with the air around it and gets another film Fills of that in. chrome oxide, nice. which then protects it from everything else. So that didn't really help him with the gun stuff, but he's like, there might be there might be a a market for this in silverware because up till then all silverware was silver or nickel plated. So if you're, ha if you have silver, then you're constantly having to polish it. And if you're having steel, then you have to make sure it's thoroughly dried and all that else. It just gets rust. Your razor blades also will rust out and, and when they get wet. So, um, of course, like any new invention, there was um, this the cutlery injury in, injury. The cutlery industry was like not super excited about it. Uh, but um, Bar Breerly, um went to another cutlery, which was a local place named R.F. Mosley, and uh, kind of shopped around his idea. And that place started making um, making silverware out of it, and they. Breerly was referring to his invention as rustless steel, but the R.F. Mosley company, who was the cutlery maker, suggested stainless steel um, because with Perfect, all the vinegars yeah. and all that stuff, it yep. wouldn't make make marks on that. So once we started figuring out the the mass production of the process, like everything from toasters to vacuum cleaners to the um, 
to the St. Louis Arch to the Chrysler Building, which is my favorite building, which is all adorned. The whole upper part of that is adorned with stainless steel. And even that, like to this day, still really shows no sign of wear or anything. So by 1925, stainless steel tanks were proving their resistance to corrosion by storing nitric acid for industrial applications. In 1926, the first surgical steel implants were used. So yeah, this also led to a, a revolution in things like surgery because now all of those right. surgical implements can be done with stainless steel, which not only is, is fights off corrosion, but you can heat it to an extreme amount to make sure that they're all sterilized and all of that. Oh, it nice. also it also leads to big changes in uh, brewing because now you have stainless steel tanks to hold all that material in, which of course is now all standard. So uh, a couple of the milestones of stainless steel between the years 1919 and 1923, the use of stainless steel was adapted, uh, like I said, to surgical scalpels, tools, and cutlery. Uh, 1925, a stainless steel tank was used to store nitric acid. In 26, 1926, it was the surgical implants. Um, stainless steel fermenting vessel, vessel to brew beer was in 1928. In 1930, the first stainless steel train was built in the United States. Those awesome streamliner trains uh -huh. that you always see. Um, with that Just that beautiful, shiny stainless steel. In 1931, the creation of the first stainless steel aircraft, which uh, led to a lot of changes in aviation, not just for whole aircrafts to be made out of stainless steel, but the weight to strength ratio was uh, really, really good as opposed to obviously using something just like sheet, sheet metal for right. an airplane. Um, in 1935, stainless steel kitchen sinks were widely used. Uh, the, let's see, wire was starting to be used, underwater TV cameras, uh, first tidal power station was stainless steel turbine blade in France in 1966. The longest movable flood barrier on the River Thames in 1980. Um, and now there's a, about 11 million washing machines with stainless steel drums in 2010. So China, of course, the largest producer of stainless steel. Uh, and I watched a little how one of those uh, how it's made uh, videos on stainless steel. And it's it's basically what you think of when you think of a big factory with the giant you know crucibles pouring the you know the sparks everywhere and the rolling machines that just keep rolling things uh flatter and flatter so um so yeah china now is the world's uh largest producer uh, producer 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 <laughs> of stainless steel um and another great thing about stainless steel is that it is 100% recyclable and does not degrade when reprocessed. So you can use oh, wow. it over and over and over. It's one of the most recyclable things in the, in the world. Um, and so a lot of it is still made just by melting down hmm. scrap. And it uh, does not lose any of its... Um, any of the stuff in the process. So oh, the, interesting. the sustainability of stainless steel is unmatched compared to other metals. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those innocuous things. And I think it gets a little better rap than something like concrete, because I feel like concrete is like the fatter, dumpier, like sister of like <laughs> the young ingenue that is stainless steel, who's like very pretty and thin and like shiny all the time. And then you're like, hi, I'm concrete. <laughs> 
but I and so I think we're a little more enamored with stainless steel just because it does retain. I mean, much like how gold is shiny and we're still attracted to that. It kind of <laughs> sets off that same same thing in our head about being shiny and 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 wonderful. So <laughs> But concrete is so functional. I know. So I think good. I just, yeah. I, I have such an emotional relationship with concrete ever since <laughs> we did that show and reading that book. So oh, it looks like you found out uh, what yeah. that book was. Yeah, it's called Stuff Matters. Okay. And uh, the subtitle is Exploring the Marvelous Materials That Shape Our Man-Made World. And so it went through concrete and glass and porcelain and some. Oh, the porcelain was really good. Porcelain was fascinating, and I kind of want to do an episode on porcelain. Uh, That's a good so idea. I should we'll, just we'll re-listen to the whole book again. Yeah, it's really fantastic. It's on, yeah. on Audible and, and printed as well. Stuff Matters, exploring the marvelous materials that shape our man-made world. Yeah, Nice. So, yeah, yes. that is that is our little our little topic let today. So tonight when you... When I eat my ice, my giant vat of ice cream, oh, you know what I'm doing now that I'm very excited about? Um, so usually with my ice cream, I need my vanilla base, and then I'll add other flavors to it. But lately what I've been doing is pouring uh, cereal over my ice cream. So right now I have a really good special K with raspberries and just pouring that over the ice cream. And it keeps it, – it's the same sensation, like it's the same – it's the same mouth taste feel. as and mouthfeel as cereal, but the but the cereal stays crunchy, like super crunchy the entire time. It doesn't get soggy at all. And so I've been really I've been really happy with my my special K with raspberries and <clears throat> vanilla ice cream every night. So the the engineers, the research and development engineers at Malta Meal have figured out my flavor profile <laughs> specifically and so i've always loved golden grams uh, uh. i love the gram flavor <clears throat> plus cocoa puffs plus <laughs> the marshmallows in uh in in the lucky charms right? yeah and so they've combined <laughs> just those three ingredients to be s'mores cereal i've and seen so, that uh i cannot get enough of that <laughs> and so it's 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 simply three cereals that they already make that they've combined and uh, and yeah. There it, is I don't know what's happening over at Frosted Flakes, but like <laughs> they the products that they are unleashing are just unholy because there is a mix. It's Frosted Flakes with the marshmallows from Lucky Charms mixed together. So it's not like a wow. sweet and huh. a base. It's Frosted right. Flakes with marshmallows and yes, I did buy it. Because I was like, that sounds magical, but it really was one of the most revolting combinations I've ever had in my life. That sweet on sweet. Uh, <laughs> I did notice, though, that here's two here's two things about the cereal aisle that I've never said out loud because it makes me sound like a crazy person. Uh, first of all, that you can get bagged cereal, the malto meal uh, type of things, you know, the kind of the off-brand puffs or whatever. You'll notice that there are with the exception of the Cocoa Puffs, there are no off-brand round puffed cereal. There is no off-brand tricks. There is no off-brand kicks. And I don't know if it's because the process of making the round cereal is somehow more expensive. 
because mm. why else? And even in the store brands, there's like it's not just the bag, like the store brand. There is no store brand of tricks. There is no store brand of kicks. But there is store brand Cocoa Puffs. So like that's right. where the shape breaks down. But I did see that there is now a bag, like the bagged, like a five pound resealable bag of tricks and of Oreo, which are main brands. So now some of the main brands are branching out into using the bag format instead of the bag inside of the box. But yes, the mystery of why there are no off brand tricks and kicks <laughs> will haunt me, haunt me forever because I'm sure there's some sort of dumb economical whatever right. bottom line somewhere that they're not they're not doing that. So if anybody huh. has an answer to that, <laughs> leave a comment. Marketpodcast and... at gmail.com. <laughs> exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's oh, awesome. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to record today, Mark. It was lovely as usual. Next, Indeed. Next week, we will be back with uh, Portland at the Movies, which will have some special 50, 50th anniversary, 50th, uh, 50th episode celebration elements woven in. So uh, do look forward to that next week. Uh, other than that, any ideas for what I should play us out with? Is there any old Malta meal commercial? Oh, there we go. All right. I'll play us out with an old Malta meal commercial that you will hear right now. We'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Every winter day, a ritual takes place in homes, bundling up kids to go outside. But no amount of bundling can stop the cold completely. That's why there's Malta Meal Hot Cereal, double flavored with wheat and malt to taste great and help keep kids warm on the inside. I think I need some more Malta Meal. Bundle up on the inside with Malta Meal Hot Cereal.